Welcome to Empire, presented by CW Hemp, a weekly installment dedicated to exploring the non-psychoactive side of the cannabis plant. Once a cornerstone of the American economy, hemp has been used in over 25,000 products, including paper, textiles, construction materials, health food, and fuel. Now, tune in and discover all there is to know about this wonder crop making a historic comeback. Empire, presented by CW Hemp, starts now. The following is an encore segment of Empire. Hey, Empire listeners. Welcome to Cannabis Radio's Empire Show, the show devoted to all things hemp. As many of you know, I'm Dr. Mitch Earlywine, author of the Oxford University Press book, Understanding Marijuana, High Times columnist, and writer of over 150 scientific articles on none other than cannabis. We've got a super special guest tonight. I usually give folks a lot of background, but in fact, I don't want to give away the big reveal. I'll give you a hint. She's got one of the hardest jobs, but one of the most rewarding in the world. She's a mom. She's a mom with a very special child who had to turn to hemp for medical purposes. Welcome to the show, Kim Clark. Hello. Nice to speak with you. Thanks so much for being on. Listen, I I know this can be a difficult topic, but you have a a child with some special needs. I was curious if you could let us know about that. I do. My 12-year-old son, Caden, has Lennox-Gastaut syndrome, which is a severe and catastrophic form of epilepsy. We were experiencing upwards at some point of 500 seizures a day, and then we had gotten down to about 200, but he was seizing approximately 200 times every day. Now, I want to interrupt you right there because I I think that's just an inconceivable number for people. I know it's got to be painful to, to look back on that, but what was that really like? Well, in hindsight, I don't know how we did it, to be honest with you, because he has a 90% seizure reduction now. Even when he has the occasional ones that he has, it's so incredibly overwhelming. I can't even imagine a life where we were, he was having 200 a day. It's hard to wrap your head around. You're just living it, and it's difficult. I mean, it's all-consuming. You're very isolated, and there's no hope. There's no hope. There's no hope at all. I mean, so can you trust a babysitter with someone who's seizing 200 times a day? I mean, it just, it sounds incomprehensible. No, that's not an option at all. I was with him full time. I mean, 24 hours a day. There was not a time in the day that we were not with him or that he was not in a safe environment. He wore a helmet with a full face plate because his seizures, one of the seizure types were one in which it looked like someone would just grab the back of his head and slam him violently to the floor as powerfully as they could. And so we experienced, he's had 12 broken noses, he's broken several teeth, his eye socket has been cracked, and I can't even count the black eyes he's had. So we were really afraid outside of the epilepsy itself that we were going to lose him from a hit. Oh, God, it just breaks my heart. And I mean, can he sleep at night? Was there a way to, to get any respite at all? No, not at all. In fact, generally with epilepsy, your seizure threshold lowers during the time between sleep and wake. So that precious window where we're finding that place is really impossible for these kids. They they can't. I mean, their brains just don't transition properly. And when did you guys first start noticing the symptoms? Well, interestingly, in hindsight, he was having them since birth. Caden was an 11-pound baby. 
and he was delivered and they didn't get to a cesarean quickly enough and he suffered a hypoxic brain injury due to lack of oxygen. So he was seizing from the very beginning, but there were these kind of spasm things that I just didn't, you know, newborns are kind of, you know, they're still developing their central nervous system. And so he was just kind of jerky and we just really didn't know for sure. I think I knew in the back of my head something was up, but not until he had about 12 hours after his first vaccinations, he had his first grand mal seizure that lasted for 10 hours. Oh, I mean, it's just impossible for other parents and people without kids to, to even imagine. So I'm sure you must have run to the doctor as soon as you guys could. Absolutely, we did. I mean, we ran and we got, you know, to the doctor. And, he, you know, usually the cases with a, a seizure, you don't always catch them at the doctor's office. That's kind of the rule. Well, this wasn't the problem here. I mean, he was very obviously in a full-blown chronic, clonic seizure, and his body was just contorting. He was, you know, losing oxygen, and we just didn't really know what was happening. I mean, we were just so very overwhelmed. Uh, and it took I, them three days to actually stop it. I mean, the, the thought of a three-day seizure is just beyond most people's imaginations, and you guys must have just been so fretful it's, it's beyond words. It, we definitely were, but as, as frightening as that was, this was my three-month-old baby, and they were bringing in medications in which that I didn't really know a lot about, but I did know that you never considered giving them to your three-month-old baby. Words like phenobarbital, words like Valium, Versed, just very frightening words. And, of course, your next question being inexperienced is, wait, is it going to kill him, the seizures? Or the medicines. I mean, it's just very frightening. Is he going to become addicted? Like, I mean, we just didn't know anything. And we're talking about literally some of the most powerful barbiturates and anxiolytics on earth, and the Mm -hmm. kind of thing that you know is dangerous with adults. With a three-month-old, I'm speechless. Yes, I mean, we were told that it would be if he continued in the pattern that he continued in, and they had no way to predict it, that one would be a stretch. Seeing him to one years old would be a stretch, that they really didn't have that answer, but it didn't look so good. And then we just continued the medicine cycle because every drug failed, one after the other. We, you know, did 21 different combinations of drugs by the time he was 10 years old, and we did two different brain surgical procedures, one which is the new fancy word for lobotomy. We did a right frontal lobectomy. I guess that makes it sound a little bit better. But I knew that they were wheeling my child away from me to remove the front portion of his brain and bring him back without it. They also severed the two hemispheres so that, you know, the hope there was that the electrical charges wouldn't travel across the brain to limit the amount of seizures. And unfortunately, he had a post-operative stroke after those procedures and damaged a whole other part of his brain that was not damaged. So he's really kind of not had a lot of good luck medically at all. I mean, it's heartbreaking. I know they only sever the corpus callosum there, that, that part between the two halves in really extreme cases. But it's really supposed to make it so if one side seizes, the other side really won't catch it. But it sounds mm-hmm. like he was still having hundreds of seizures a day. He was. That's what actually took us originally from the 500 number. And, you know, we thought for about 12 hours, maybe we're in the clear because he didn't see. So 12 hours not seizing. Now think about this for your, you know, by this time, two year old for 12 hours, not seizing was the longest he had ever been in his whole life. 12 hours. We were thrilled. But then he had an extremely rare post-operative stroke. 
And so that damaged the side that wasn't damaged previously. So we had seizures coming from a whole new area at that point. And do you even, do you even have a count of how many physicians you guys must have seen? Everyone. <laughs> we went through everyone and every specialist. I mean, we did everything that, you know, you could and that you would go through with your child. The countless hours and doctors and therapists and just everything is just, I can't even, I can't even imagine it anymore. It's just so overwhelming. I can barely imagine it my, myself. And so you've done meds, you've done pretty serious surgeries, and he's up to two years old. Where, where were you guys then? Well, we had continued on because there were new and exciting pharmaceutical treatments. And let me just preface this. When I use the word pharmaceutical treatment, I am not anti-science and I am certainly not anti-pharmaceutical. In fact, I think I could argue that I am cooperative. We are cooperative with science all the way up into the point of removing his frontal lobe. So you can't call us not cooperative with science for sure. And we went through everything and then we finally arrived at a point where the neurologist looked at us and said, look, we're meeting expiration age. And that was a new term. You know, you think of expiration like milk and eggs, not necessarily your child. But we had met expiration age, and it's, there was just really nothing else to do. We'd exhausted. We ran, I mean, we exhausted science. So it wasn't, again, I want to be clear, we didn't walk away from science. We ran the gamut. There was just nothing else to do. So he was end of life. Still I mean, seizing. A euphemism for he's about to die? Yes. Well, yes. Then Generally, there's a kind of an expiration age that these kids where, you know, it's a generalized number where they just sort of meet when hormones, I guess, can start as a different mechanism that the body has to handle altogether on top of it. So it just kind of sends things out of whack for them. So this was the third time in his life, in his 10 years, that we had been told that we were going to lose our son for sure. So, It's really flabbergasting. I'm completely astonished, and, and it's hard to, to imagine what that must have been like. Obviously, you guys kept trying nonetheless. Where did you turn? Well, we are... By far, you could probably call a lot of people that have tried this treatment, but I promise you we are by far the most unlikely family to have tried this. My husband is a 27-year veteran with the Atlanta Police Department. He actually is the drug guardian for all of the confiscated narcotics in the city of Atlanta. So when I, and both of us, I, I guess we would identify generally as kind of conservative people, I mean, marijuana in any form, hemp, anything hadn't been a part of our lives other than, you know, his profession. And so when I saw the special on the little girl, Charlotte Figgy, and people started calling me left and right, I went to him and I said, hey, what about marijuana? And he just looked at me like, what are you even saying? I mean, we both had that reaction. I was kind of just asking him to put it on his plate. Because I really was hesitant, too, because, I mean, these are probably just a bunch of crazy pot people in Colorado. I mean, isn't everybody in Colorado just a crazy pot person? And and I know better now, but that was the perspective then. I'm so so startled. So the irony is, here's your husband literally trying to enforce cannabis prohibition, and you guys are, are stuck in need of something new. Yes. So we definitely had a crossroads moment, didn't we, where we had to challenge what we believed. And I I have to say, in general, outside of the hemp itself, at this point in our lives, hope had become 
probably the most dangerous thing. And I, I say that a lot, and I know that's kind of an unsavory statement, but hope became very dangerous for us because every time we would sort of set up our hope for a new treatment, it would fail, and then he would have greater consequences. I mean, one drug made him stop walking, and I had to retrain him to walk. I mean, we had just – he had just – and so trying this was just not – it was not on the radar, but then he started to do the research. He, he started to look. He started to look at the science, and he saw that cannabidiol was actually patented by the U.S. government for – its properties as far as anti-inflammatory properties are concerned. And that made us both really curious. So wait a minute, this is a Schedule One substance of no medical value, but you hold the patent on the use for it. So that really kind of, you know, made us lift our eyebrows and go, whoa, is there something to this? Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to Empire. Our special guest today was Kim Clark with the outrageous tale of Caden Clark, who at one time had literally hundreds of seizures and now has whole days when he doesn't. It's so great to have you guys here. We do have to take a break right now. As my Mm -hmm. cannabis radio brother Vivian McPeak would say, we got to pause for the cause because there are flaws in the laws. We'll be right Mm -hmm. back with Kim Clark to discuss an amazing story here on Empire. Hold on for more Empire after you've grown to learn more about our sponsors. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put the big celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is Hemping, that's the point Download and play while you life yourself a joint The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. The National Cannabis Industry Association presents the Seed to Sale Show, January 31st and February 1st at the Colorado Convention Center in Denver. Register now at www.seedtosaleshow.com or 888-409-4418. The NCIA Seed the Sale Show, the largest cannabis business event to be held in Denver, will host over 2,000 cannabis professionals and focus on innovations and technology in cultivation, infused products and extraction, and sales strategies. The show will recognize the best in the industry with the Cannovation and Canatech Awards. Register before January 6th for $100 savings at SeedToSaleShow.com. Use the code RADIO15 for an additional 15% off. Plan your experience now for the NCIA Seed to Sale Show, January 31st and February 1st. SeedToSaleShow.com or 888-409-4418. Do you want to get in on the booming cannabis industry? With New Frontier Data, we give industry insiders the power of big data analytics to help navigate this rapidly growing and changing landscape. New Frontier's tools help you make critical decisions based on the facts. Our industry analyst reports reveal the best opportunities. Our custom research engagements deliver answers to the most difficult questions. And our cutting-edge big data platform, Equio, 
puts real-time information and answers you need right at your fingertips. Go to www.equio.io and sign up for your free membership today. That's EQUIO.io to sign up now. The power of real-time big data is now in your hands. Run with New Frontier and let us help you conquer the wild. Legal to listen to all over the world. We're just not sure about France. Cannabisradio.com Time to harvest more crop-tastic content on Hempire, only on CannabisRadio.com. Today's guest is a special CEO of the Realm of Caring Foundation. It's the powerhouse herself, Heather Jackson. Welcome to the show, Heather. Thanks for having me. So you've got, I think, one of the most moving stories ever when it comes to uh, medicinal hemp. Can you tell us uh, how you got started in the whole area? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it started with my son, Zakai. Uh, he started having seizures when he was four months old, and he has a rare catastrophic form of early childhood epilepsy, very resistant to pharmaceuticals. In fact, we went through 17 of them without success. That's kind of embarrassing to say at this point. Uh, and he was receiving hospice, and um, we were very much looking for just some palliative relief for him. And we started Charlotte's Web four years ago today, actually. Oh, so today wow. Our, our four-year anniversary, we've been um, been talking with the Stanleys quite a bit today and sort of reminiscing about the last four years of our journey. When Within uh, three months of Zakai starting, uh, he actually stopped having seizures altogether. His, his condition just remitted. So um, I say that Zakai is in remission. He hasn't had a seizure in three months. It will be four years. So he is, um, he's doing fantastic. His development's making a lot of gains and um, I've gotten to meet my son for the first time. It's really astounding. I mean, it's, it's scary enough to watch anybody seize, but to actually see a child so little to have a seizure and it sounded like he was having them multiple times per day. Is that yeah, he would average 60 to 250 seizures a day, and this was the better part of a decade. So we didn't find this option until he was, you know, nine and a half. And it sounds like really everybody was just sort of sitting around waiting for him to die. You, you get to a point where, you know, the physicians don't have anything else in their bag of tricks, and so... You are just trying to provide the best quality of life that you can, and you do sort of feel there's an inevitable that's going to happen just because of, you know, the history. So, yes, I would like to say I never stopped fighting, and I certainly wasn't waiting around for him to die, but I think the medical community had everything that, um, the medical community offered everything they could for him. And we had great doctors, they just, this wasn't an option. So how'd you first learn about uh, medical hemp? It was our hospice counselor, and she could have lost her job probably, but she slid a piece of paper over to me with some phone numbers on it, and it was Joel Stanley, Paige Figgy, Charlotte's mom, uh, that Charlotte's what it was named after, and the lab, because she knew me, and I'm very, very detail-oriented, tracked everything, so I needed to know that 
this could be tested exactly what I was giving, that it was free of mold, pesticides, residual solvents, metal, yucky stuff. And um, yeah, so she was, she was brave enough to talk about it. And it was because she had one other child who was doing really well on it. Well, Heather, now I'm eager to find out how this inspired all your work at Realm of Caring. You know, what we realized right away, so Paige and I said, you know, after several months, this is, this is really happening. We made a commitment to not only tell our community, which was the epilepsy community, um, but really wanted to tell the story and what had happened to both of our families. And we, we began to do that, and immediately we just couldn't keep up with the volume of inquiries. You know, so back then it was very informal. We were texting and on Facebook and, you know, closed Facebook groups and these sorts of things. And it was really apparent, we need some systems. We need a team. People need information. We need to be able to share with them, you know, the research that exists. We need to talk about what we know about dosing. And, and that's how the realm of caring was really born, was just really sheer necessity for a very, very underserved population. So you guys have essentially your own realm of caring program for these children. Yeah, so we started the nonprofit, and we are a 501c3 organization. So the federal government gave us our designation in 2013. And we do really lots of wonderful things. We have over 25,000 families that are connected to us from all over the world. Uh, we're engaging uh, over 6,000 of them in research protocols with Johns Hopkins University which I'm really proud of. That was one of the things that I kept hearing over and over again is this is just anecdotal or this is placebo or, you know, even Denver Children's reports that you're twice as likely to report a seizure reduction if you've moved to Colorado as if, than if you already lived here. So we kept hearing these things and I said, you know, we need to deal with the best and get some research accomplished. And so we went through the university process called the IRB, the Institutional Review Board process, and, and are actually collecting real-time prospective data, which is huge. Um, so we get research done. I mean, that really warms my heart, and I, I think uh, it's easy to underestimate what a hassle that must have been. Just the paperwork alone for getting those kinds of protocols approved is really tedious and harsh. So my, my hat's off to you. Thank you. I think this is worth it. This is so worth this attention to detail. And to my knowledge, no one is really collecting that data. You know, how many milligrams are people taking? What routes? How many times a day? What are the side effects? Um, what drugs are you having interactions with? Uh, the economic data. This is huge to me. So I'll give you a, an example. If you'll indulge me, my son used to receive 11 hours of nurse services every single day three therapies in home twice a week. We saw specialists month, whether it was an epileptologist, uh, pain management doctor, an endocrinologist. Um, we, we were on pharmaceuticals that cost two to 9,000 bucks a month. I mean, his burden, his financial burden, I'm making air quotes, you know, to, he's, he had a disability, so he gets Medicaid. His financial burden to the state is very significant. Um, our neurologist called us and said, you still have to come in, Heather. I mean, it had been over a year since we'd been in. We're on no pharmaceuticals. He gets an hour in the morning and an hour at night to get himself ready for, you know, the day and ready for bed. I mean, his financial burden is significantly 
less we're tracking that data, you know, hospitalizations, emergency room rides, those sorts of things. So the research is a very big part of what we do. Um, but we spend most of our time educating um, with both uh, the community clients who are using cannabis products, um, specifically Charlotte's Web, um, and physicians. We're connected with over 300 physicians around the world. We do free orientation for doctors and clients alike. And we actually take 8,500 phone calls every single month. Holy so the, the cow. There. It's awesome. And we, I'm very systems oriented. So we collect a lot of data on that. You know, how long did we talk to them? What did we talk to them about? Where did the call come from? You know, what is their diagnosis? It's not just epilepsy anymore. We have families dealing with cancer and chronic pain and neurological disorders. Autism is actually the second highest pediatric population we're serving after epilepsy. So it's really grown, you know, quite a bit. Now, is everybody pulling in and moving to Colorado to do this? Or are you guys spreading the word a little further and getting the chance to to help other folks without having them uh, pull up roots? You know, when these high CBD hemp products started being shipped, uh, a lot of people decided, you know, we don't need to move because they can get it on their doorstep, which makes a lot of sense. So a lot of families are starting with that. They're just getting it shipped directly to them. And if that doesn't work, um, then they may consider moving to a medical state like Colorado where they can get other products, you know, like THC and CBN and some of these other cannabinoid products. But most families are not moving now. Uh, I stopped counting at about 500 families that had relocated here um, when shipping started. So quite a few did come. Wow, that's that's pretty amazing. But the fact that they don't have to is also... uh heartwarming in its own way. It really is because, you know, I wouldn't have been able to do that. I would not have been able to set up an entire second household, you know, and, and not had support. I, I don't think I would have been able to do that. Very few were able to. And so it's great now that, that they're not needing to. The great thing that was created here, though, because of that was this wonderful community of moms and dads and families who know what you're going through. Uh, because I did, I never had, even my best friend, you know, who was very supportive, never really understood what it was like to be going through this. And so to have, you know, people here, our people, who, who know what this feels like is really interesting, and it's a great dynamic. And I understand you're doing work at the legislation level as well. Yeah, that's been, um, it's actually, it's really instilled hope in me and our ability to affect change. I used to think the government was just a slow dinosaur and you really couldn't do anything. And the first state passed in, um, it was signed in it was Utah in March of 2014. And so in just a little over two years, over 20, well, 20 states have put on cannabis legislation and five of them did not limit the THC percentage. And so 15 of them did. So that looks more like a hemp type legislation. So that that has been exhilarating to be a part of and to know that legislators really are listening and, you know, parents really can fight and go talk at a hearing and tell their personal experience and have that affect change. That's been really empowering for me to witness and definitely for the families to experience. I, I'm also delighted to ask about financial assistance for potential clients. Yeah, this is my favorite thing to do by far. So we have a couple of financial assistance programs 
Um, first of all, anyone who's connected to the realm of caring gets discounts on products anyway. Um, so they're, it's a reduced cost for them because of the their severe medical condition. Most of the folks that are connected to us almost exclusively are dealing with life-limiting chronic health conditions. And so they get a discount anyway. Well, then they can further apply for more um, assistance through what's called Realm Cares. And this is actually a financial grant. And we write checks to these families every single month. And we have over 60 families in that program. And we write checks to the tune of about 6,500 bucks a month. And so we hope to increase that budget. We have a lot more people ask for money than we're able to give. Uh, and then the other thing, we still do relocation grants. So there are families that do need to move, and those are $5,000 grants. And um, those are just assessed on, on need, really. Wow. I mean, it's just, it's just such a wonderful thing. And to see how far you've come in, in so little time, I'm, I'm absolutely flabbergasted. This is, this is amazing. You guys have, I have a wonderful, I have a wonderful team. Well, um, I remember when it was just you, so <laughs> I mean, love to hear about you know that. What? Just last year, it was my kitchen table. In the January of, of 2015, it was, this was my, the office was my kitchen table and volunteers would come over and we had volunteers fielding phone calls and we got about a thousand calls answered that way a month. And it was just like, you know, we, we need to do this a lot better. And uh, so we got some serious fundraising going, and, um, you know, a major contributor to the foundation is um, CW Hemp and the Stanley organization, and so we're really able to do it right now. Oh, and I, I mean, it's just got to make a world of difference from just sitting around in your kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> it totally does. Yeah, you know, and we take satisfaction ratings, you know, from the folks who talk with our, our client care specialists is what we call them. And they'll spend as much time on the phone with them as they need. So sometimes those phone calls are 30 or 45 minutes um, and they'll check in regularly. And it's just, it's a really beautiful thing to, to witness. And yeah, it's, it's wonderful to have a team that has been hired for their heart. And um, they've definitely got a lot of skill, a lot of passion, but this organization is, you know, um, is amazing. The team's amazing. And can you point us towards the website in case we want to donate? Sure. It is www.therock, that's T-H-E-R-O-C dot U-S. So again, it's T-H-E-R-O-C dot U-S. And in fact, there's uh, all kinds of information about the research, education, and advocacy. And uh, you don't have to donate, but there's a very nice click right there. Um, it's, <laughs> it's just been it's just been absolutely moving uh thanks so much heather jackson from realm of caring thanks for having me on i really appreciate it the opinions expressed on this cannabisradio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of cannabisradio.com any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of cannabisradio.com is prohibited 